welcome, one and all, to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 89, and with me, after maybe like eight or nine episodes, I think, is is Jonathan Metz. Hey, it's good to be back. Yeah, I'm not as precise as Greg, where I can like quote the exact <laughs> minute of every episode that he, he's aware of, but uh, I am I'm just don't care about that. They story. all sound the same to me. Anyway, uh, this is probably the last uh, episode before PAX East, so I, before uh, before we get too far, I did want to mention that we'll all be there. Donnie's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to have a podcast live, and I'm not, although... Oh, you'll be on, you'll be on it. All right. Yeah, we're going to try to get everybody on it, but especially you, man. Oh. You're special. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Johnny's picked up. Uh, two games. I've picked out two games, and we have to listen to requests, so I think we're going to have a really awesome lineup. So uh, enjoy and try to figure out game one, which is a Johnny selection. Yay.
So, Mike, you, you were telling me uh, before the show that, that you're not all that impressed with this soundtrack. Are you going to stand by that after that song? It isn't that I'm not impressed by the soundtrack. That isn't that isn't the right word. It's that it's not the kind of music that I thoroughly enjoy. Hmm. See, I would actually put this on in the car, or I, I would put that on at a party, actually. I'm not much of an electronic music guy, but... Um, you know, knowing that it's obviously from a video game, um, it has a certain personal appeal to me that other electronic music doesn't. And I mm-hmm. think I still think that would be palatable to people who wouldn't even realize that it's from a video game. I, I agree with you, and that's not the point. The point is, I I like I guess things that sound more like game music. Okay, maybe that maybe that's it, what it is. I thought it was awesome.
Yeah, I like that one more. The piano at the end. Oh. Oh. I like the chord progression in that song. I think it was, uh, it was, I thought it was more interesting, personally. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the, uh, the trivia question. Your hint trivia yes. question. What indie chiptune band contributed to this game's soundtrack? That beat is so trippy. Uh, that's terrible, Johnny. I'm running to go play this game some more. <laughs> uh, oh. Don't tell me you prepared that line. <laughs> <laughs> I prepared it about five seconds ago. Uh, yeah, this game's Bit Trip Runner. Oh, and um, hot damn, the music is fucking amazing in this song. Excuse my language. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so the answer to the trivia question, uh, what indie chiptune band contributed to the soundtrack, that would be Anamanaguchi. Um, I think before Bitrip Runner came out, there were some reports that uh, Anamanaguchi had basically done the entire soundtrack, which is not the case. Mm-hmm. Gaijin Games, the developers, this is a WiiWare game, of right. course, and, um, and the developers, uh, Gaijin Games, they, I don't think they have a person in-house who does the music. I think they have like a, not a contractor, but like I think they have a partner who they and they go and they have different people do different games for them. Um, but I think they they had some outside person who did most of the music for this, 
and then Anamanaguchi basically collaborated on two or three of the songs. There's uh, there's a credits ending end credits song that they did, and then the intro song, which is the one we just heard. I thought, and, that, and, I thought it sounded familiar. I must have seen some videos that had that song on it. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's similar to the to some songs that are in other Bit Trip games. Oh, you know, okay. there's like certain themes or certain Riffs. little pieces yeah. of it that uh, are meant to remind you of, of the other mm-hmm. games. That might be it too, because we've had two or three other Bit Trip games. I think most of the other episodes you were on, but uh, probably I do really like the series. Actually, um, I just got the 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 sixth and final game in the series, Bit Trip Flux. And it has great music as well. I don't think I like any of them as much as I do Runner in terms of soundtrack and in terms of gameplay too. Honestly, I have not played it. I, I know there's a demo out of, out there now, right? So there sh- if there's not, there there really should be. But yeah, you should definitely try it. It, it sounds pretty brutal. It's not going to appeal to everyone, but I think if you're into that kind of thing, there's probably nothing better. I don't know. I mean, I'm into platformers, but I'm not sure I'm into the memorize every single little thing it's it's not about memorization it's about pattern it's about recognition it's about visual acuity you don't you don't have to memorize patterns at all to play the game uh, you it's just a matter of is your reaction time good enough that you don't have to memorize it but I mean you can play the game without memorizing a single thing absolutely and it's one of those games that is easier to play if you kind of lock yourself into the rhythm so you really have to listen to the music to play the game well and uh, and so it's weird like the the music I think at some point you're not so much listening to it uh, as you would other music so much as you are like trying to sync up with it well it's, you know? it's like, like a music game yeah I, I you know I think with Bit Trip Runner it you have to concentrate so much to play the game because it's very challenging and and so it gets to a point where you're not so much listening to the music as you are it's like you're in this other zone. It's kind of like when you play Tetris, and after a while, you're not really looking at the specific piece. It's more like you you unfocus your vision, and you're looking <laughs> at the field. You know, I've never of, gotten uh, that good at Tetris. I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it just it it starts to do it starts to make weird connections in your brain between what you see and what you mm-hmm. hear and what you do with your thumbs. It's really crazy. Um, it's an amazing game. I mean, if there is a demo, you should definitely try it because it's. It's just something you're either going to like or you're not. You're either going to get it or you're not. But if you do get it, you should you should buy the game because it's fantastic. And it's cheap, too. So. Can't do it. And the music is just, man, so good. Well, so it's good. Be- better than so music good. in the next game, which I chose anyway. <laughs> and I, I don't know what this is, so... Listen to me flail around and try to guess.
See, wasn't as good. I told you so. I still liked it. I, I'm pretty sure I've played this, whatever it is. And I, I do have an idea. All right. Well, uh, here's the second song. Maybe you'll figure it out. this game has music that with some really good concepts but it never flushes it out it always is little itty bitty loops kind of like um game boy camera this is not game boy camera but it kind of reminds me of that in that they're like like four measure loops that yeah that uh are really catchy but it's like i want more (laughs) (laughs) so I i feel less assured of my of my idea after hearing the second song all right, well, here's your hint question. What, what was it that Carl was calling it? A cryptic clue? I, I kind of like that term. <laughs> cryptic clue. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. What happens when you pick up a gas balloon power-up in this game? I, I think it's gas balloon. Gas balloon. That's what it looks like. It's like <laughs> a balloon with a big G on it. Johnny, any ideas? Well, it's definitely. I, I started out thinking th- the first song reminded me of something from like a really early Dragon Quest game, like Dragon Quest Dragon Warrior Two mm-hmm. or something, but not that definitely. Um, so, my guess, based on the really high pitched chime type noise in the third song, I'm gonna. It's not a game I've played, but I'm gonna guess uh, Kid Icarus for Game Boy. Hmm. No, but it is for Game Boy. Um, okay. In fact, this is like that's surprisingly primitive music for like the last Game Boy Color game that Nintendo made. This is Kirby's Tilt and Tumble for the Game oh, Boy Color. I have actually played this, but I <laughs> wouldn't uh, not for long enough that I would re- remember the music for sure. The music really is not that memorable, and, and ironically, it seems to cut and paste a lot of songs directly from Kirby's Dreamland, which was like a launch title yeah. Game Boy game. And Tilt and Tumble was 
at least 10 years later. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah, so, so more than 10 years later. Yeah. But it's a quirky little game. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> it, you know, it's a game that's never really been playable. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this in uh, in our little feature on uh, virtual console games you like to see for for uh, 3DS. And I think it would be a perfect choice because, um, like you said, it's not been playable in any format. It, it was released on Game Boy Color. And, of course, on the Game Boy Color screen, you just can't see crap, especially since you're tilting the screen around. And GBA is not any better. And then the GBA SP, the, since the cartridge is, is flipped upside down, your controls yeah. are inverted. <laughs> right. It, it worked technically, but... Uh, and I think technically it actually worked on the Game Boy Player. Yeah, I think course. it's more likely, because then you can at least hold the Game Boy Player in a manner that... Well, you'd have to hold the whole thing by the handle, yes. and you'd build up these giant Popeye forearms <laughs> by playing that game. I, I, there are YouTube videos of people doing this, by the way. I bet there are, yeah. I'd have to go see some of those. Uh, that sounds fun. So, but yeah, unfortunately, by the time Game Boy got to a good screen, I mean, it, it would have worked well on DS now that it was backlit, but of yeah. course, um, it's being a Game Boy Color game, it's not compatible. Right, so... so you know, if this came to Virtual Console, the tilt sensor is right there in the in the 3DS. I mean, it seems like a pretty obvious uh, move, other than, than may- maybe Nintendo wouldn't want to develop a uh, an emulator just for a single peripheral. I don't I don't know. I imagine they'd have to uh, recalibrate the controls because the accelerometer in, in the 3DS is probably a lot more advanced than what yeah. they had back in 2000 with a Game Boy Color cartridge. Yeah, that's true. But I, I definitely like the idea of Kirby's Tilt and Tumble. It's just, I actually rented this game from a Blockbuster. <laughs> there was a short time when my hometown Blockbuster uh, rented out handheld games. Cool. And uh, they had a really poor selection. Mm. But this was one of the more interesting titles that was available. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rent this. You know, I've, I've wanted to try this. And I think I played it for like an hour. And I was just so frustrated. I mean, it's just, you know, with the Game Boy Color screen... And, and the original GBA 2, they were reflective screens, so they, they didn't have backlights, and you were basically intended to play in very direct lighting <laughs> conditions. And as soon as you tilt the screen away from you, which is how you control the game, you can no longer see the screen. Right. I mean, it's, it's not that you have to tilt it that much, but those screens were so sensitive to angle that as soon as you tilt them just slightly away... The, the basically the screen would get really dark and the color would all fade out and it became very difficult to see what was going on and um and you they also had you uh, basically jerk the the system to make Kirby jump right yeah brilliant and that doesn't work so well when the system is attached to the screen so I I'd, I'd like them to just put in a button press for jumping if they ever emulate this or remake oh, it oh come on Nintendo loves their motion controls yeah but. It just there's a time and a place for everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I mentioned this on RFM, but I bought a copy in Japan and I brought it back. So this was just like two or three years ago, and I, I was at that point, you know, I was used to playing on my DS Lite with its backlit screen, very bright, and I couldn't use it on my DS for obvious reasons, and I couldn't use it on my Game Boy Advance SP. So I had to go back to my original Game Boy Advance after being used to the backlit screens for, like, whatever, five years since on my SP, and it was just... Oh, you didn't have an afterburner? No. <laughs> I never did either. No, I did not have an afterburner. 
for, for those too young to know, the Afterburner was a, a third-party modification to uh, add little front lighting like LEDs. Um, you would open up your Game Boy Advance and, and install this peripheral that basically put front lighting on, on the system, which is essentially yeah. what the Game Boy Advance SP did. Yeah, but it was done in the factory yeah. clean room conditions. <laughs> the Afterburner was notoriously difficult to install without getting dust under the screen that you could never get out. Yeah. Um, and so there were there cropped up this weird little short-term industry of people doing profe- so-called professional um, installations of the Afterburner. So you could even buy a, a new GBA with, it, with an Afterburner pre-installed by some guy with a screwdriver, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But, but uh, we, we were desperate because the GBA was, <laughs> was really bad. difficult to play. <laughs> I can't believe really I played that. Play. I mean, Castlevania, uh, the uh, Circle of the Moon. Circle of the Moon. Oh my yeah. god, that's such a dark game to begin with. And that screen. I played the entirety of that game while sitting direct while holding the GBA directly under a lamp. Yeah, I think I had the, the same entire thing. game. Probably <laughs> probably t- fifteen hours of, of gameplay. Oh my! God. I sat on a certain chair where I could. You know where I could somewhat comfortably hold the GBA directly under a lampshade, because that's the only way I could see that game. I mean, it was crazy, so crazy. Well, before we move on, the other interesting thing I wanted to mention about Kirby's Tilt and Tumble. Well, two things. One, our question was, what was the power up? Uh, uh, what was the gas balloon power up? And it, oh, man, I don't, it made I don't Kirby remember. basically <laughs> do what he does in other games, <laughs> which is fly and, and be able to spit out air puffs. So, but it, it turned since it's all overhead perspective, it turned it into more of like a uh, like a 1942 or something vertical uh, shooter for a very brief period of time when you're spitting huh. out air puffs going from side to side. In in the idea is you had to collect the you know there was a chain of these balloons and if you missed too many of them you would die because you'd run out of gas. Now, did you ever play the uh, either one of the GameCube demos? That's the other thing I wanted to bring up. The, the GameCube demo, I, I think I played it at least at one of them, it, it, where they had a Game Boy Advance connected with the tilt sensor. Yeah, well, it, it showed up two E3s in a row. I think the first time was probably around 2002, uh, and it was called uh, Rollerama. Right. It was a, it was a, an un, you know unfranchised game. It was like an original title, which mm-hmm. you rarely see from Nintendo. And, um, and yeah, it was a GameCube game that you played with the Game Boy Advance through that link cable that nobody had. And, uh, <laughs> I had and one. you put, you put some, yeah, I do too, but you put some kind of tilt cartridge into the GBA and then you play the game, which, which really solved that problem because now you're still tilting it. You're still doing all the same controls, but the screen right. is now separate from the controller. And so you, you don't have the issue of losing your perspective or, or losing the image. And then the next year we came back and that demo reappeared, this time under the name Kirby Tilt and Tumble, which of course was um, in a somewhat established franchise. Uh, and we thought, oh, now it'll surely come out. They've got Kirby's <laughs> name on it. And that, that one didn't come out either, oddly enough. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, and it was very, very similar to the Kororinpa uh, games. There are two of them that came out on Wii eventually. Because hmm. you're basically rolling, uh, rolling balls around and getting them... You know, trying to gather them up, drop them into um, golf right. cup type holes. You know, it was uh, it was fun, but I don't know why it was canceled. I don't, don't know. Either. Maybe it was just too much hardware shenanigans to get it working. Yeah. Anywho, that's a quirky little uh, entry. Kirby has a bunch of strange games associated with him. He's kind of the well, 
we don't think it'll sell quite enough, so we'll slap Kirby on it, and then it'll yeah. be profitable. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right, we're going to go on to the third game, which was requested by Voodoo from the forums. But that song definitely got very interesting after, after the first minute or so. <laughs> yeah, I guess. At first, I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and then in the end, it's like this this weird jazz jam, eight bit jazz. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's on the second song.
in the hell? I said you, he's married weeds. Ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, question time. That song was... Wow. Okay. <laughs> Alright, during gameplay, what is displayed on the top screen? Oh.
Well, that was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I went uh, <laughs> pretty far in that song from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, could you repeat the hint question? During gameplay, what is displayed on the top screen? Sure. Okay, I have two guesses. So if I don't get, if the first one's not right, let me try my second one. All right, all right. But I'm pretty sure this is Picto Bits. It is Picto Bits. Okay. My other choice, my other choice was Tetris DS, but. Mm-hmm. I was pretty sure it was Picto Bits. Yeah. I haven't actually heard the music of this game before. I've just heard about it and how great it is. And uh, after he- just hearing this sample, I'm definitely going to have to give this uh, <laughs> another try. The gameplay doesn't really work for me yet, but uh, damn. I mean, the music is... that's incredible. Well, I, I think the way the gameplay works, I've only seen videos, but the way it works is you're basically rearranging pixels to line up and make complete blocks. Uh, that are of partial blocks that are falling down, sort of Tetris style. Um, and uh, as you complete these blocks, basically they're like blocks of color that fill in pixel art on the top screen. <laughs> and so as you progress through the level, you're basically painting uh, sprite art on the top screen that fills in the fills in the picture. And in some cases, sort of the music, I guess, becomes more recognizable as as you uh, progress through a level, which sort of goes oh, really? along with that. That's, oh, that's cool. I don't know if it's like actually tied to that or not, but I think that's the idea uh, from, what, from what I've seen. I, I think the painting in the sprites in the background is uh, is more of a meta game. Um, mm-hmm. The the actual mechanics of the puzzle stuff, I've tried a couple of different times, and uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems really unstructured, and also it seems to get hard really fast. Yeah. Um, so it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I, I, I guess I just need to spend more time to figure it out. But judging from that music, I think it will probably be worth my time. Uh, and a lot of people really like that game, so that's going to be uh, at the very top of my list when when the eShop hits and I get a 3DS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had never heard the soundtrack either, and, and Voodoo from the forums requested it, and I was listening like, I gotta play this when Johnny's on because I know he'll love it. And uh, before the show, uh, I was telling Johnny I had a game that I had selected that uh, I felt was gonna clash a little bit with Bit Trip Runner or be a little redundant, but I went ahead anyway. It's really not, though. It's really very different, I think. Yeah, I guess not, because it's sort of riffing on old themes that you know. So it gives it a very different vibe. But one thing I, uh, I noticed for the first time listening to the first song I played is that the, the bomb noise from Zelda is taken from Devil World. Uh, really? Because the first song was from Devil World. And, okay, yeah, that was the one I didn't really recognize. Yeah. I figured this is my only chance to play Devil World on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we do another... It's been a long time since we had an import show. Yeah, it, it has. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so there's some... Some of the remixes in this uh, soundtrack are, are more straightforward than others. Clearly, the Zelda one gets pretty far out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank yeah. you, Voodoo. If you have your request, email me at typ at nintendoworldreport.com and I might choose it. It just might happen. The next one is my request, although I, I could have sworn someone requested this game, but I just couldn't find it in my records, so I apologize if you requested this and I forgot. Game 4. 
Well, uh, piano rock's usually not my thing, but uh, I don't know how easy it'll be to hear in the podcast version, but uh, there's a there's a kind of a subtle funk guitar riff in the background of that that I kind of I kind of kept me hanging on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I guess that's more piano rock for you. Sorry, Johnny. Yeah, I'll, I'll be shocked if this game is not Japanese. <laughs> well, which earlier game from the same publisher shares this game's premise of a planet being forcefully chained to another planet? <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> Very specific. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> A planet being chained to another planet.
Well, that was a definite step up, or step <laughs> in my direction, a third song. <sighs> what game is this, Johnny? I'm really I'm embarrassed because I this is pretty familiar. I'm pretty sure I've played this. And this the, the hint question is so specific. <laughs> I'm in, for whatever reason that I, an example of of such a game is not jumping out at me. Uh, this is wrong, but I'll go with uh, Medios. Johnny, I know you played this like within the month. Within the month, okay. I think so. Possibly with the music turned off, but uh... <laughs> well, I think I like the soundtrack more than you. You you commented on our offend that you didn't like the soundtrack of this game very much. Okay. You don't. You don't. Okay. All right. Come on. This is Sonic Colors, Johnny. Oh, Sonic Colors. Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I wasn't that crazy about the soundtrack. I did. But but the third song definitely shows the Mario Galaxy influence. Yes, you're uh, clever about <laughs> avoiding that for the most part because a lot of the songs in that game do sound very Mario Galaxy. See, I disagree. I think only a few do. Only the, the ones that are orchestrated. Were there some that weren't orchestrated that you felt were Galaxy-ish? <sighs> Man, I don't know. I didn't listen to the music that All right, much. there you go. Because uh, <laughs> it also has some very, like, Sonics-sounding music in it as well, which I really don't like. It's funny you say that, because I'm not sure what Sonic-sounding music is these days, because it... <laughs> I mean, back in the 8-bit, I mean, it, it had its sound, because it was basically the Genesis, pop Genesis music. Um, but after that, it's sort of kind of amorphous. Um, and certainly in the, in the Dreamcast and then Beyond era, they, they tended to lean really heavily towards like hair rock, I guess, or whatever you want to say. And I think this soundtrack kind of avoids that for the most part. Maybe it replaces the guitar with the piano. I don't know, but uh, it harkened back to more like Sonic CD in my mind. I don't know if you ever played Sonic CD, but uh, although the music really isn't the same as in this game, it it's a little more laid back, a little more soft than I feel like Sonic games recently have been. Although to be fair, I haven't played a console Sonic game since the horrible Sonic Heroes, which made me hurl. That was the last one I had played as well. Yeah, that one pissed me off so much. <laughs> I had I, to review Sonic Heroes. Oh, well, we both did. We both reviewed brutal. Sonic Heroes. Oh, <laughs> I, I think like yeah. I think maybe I reviewed it and you said you would do a second chance, or maybe it was the other way, other way around, or I, I don't I remember, remember exactly, but we terrible. both gave it pretty bad scores. But Sonic Colors is a big upgrade oh, of yeah. that. It, and I think Sonic got worse before it got better. So. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> we dodged uh, Shadow and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm very happy with uh, Sonic Colors. I think it's a pretty good game. I, I just finished it. It is a pretty good game. Um, a couple of days ago. Uh, the main game, I haven't done all the optional stuff. I have to say, now the, the premise of the game, the story in the game really doesn't make that much sense to me anyway. Um, <laughs> It's but a very Saturday morning cartoon. It, I don't recall the setup, including a planet being chained to another planet. Well, all the planets are chained together to the amusement park. On the menu? On the menu. They're all... Robotnik, I'm sorry, so, yeah. Eggman, uh, brings all these planets together and they're chained to his amusement park. Yeah, I guess that element of it didn't stick out. I, I knew they were all connected, but I... Okay. Well, another Sonic game, Sonic CD, has a very similar premise of Robotnik chaining uh, 
uh, this other smaller planet to uh, whatever the planet is Sonic and Eggman are from. I don't know. It seems to change with every game. <laughs> I mean, in Sonic Adventure, I think they were in, a, in like our world, Earth, because there was some batshit insane stuff about the president, and like the first level took place in San Francisco. So <laughs> I don't know what they're smoking. They seem to change it up like every. It was the prequel to Metal Wolf Chaos? <laughs> I don't understand. Cause, like, remember when Sonic 2006 or whatever, whatever the name of that, when they just called it the Sonic, the, Sonic Hedgehog? the Hedgehog? That was in the <laughs> supposed to be in the real world. That confused me because, like I said, Sonic Adventure 2, I thought already was sort of them in the real world. So I never really understood the angle there, but um, whatever, Sega. Uh, Sonic Colors uh, feels very different from most of the other Sonic games recently. It maybe feels a little closer to the portable games, just because it's more 2D. I agree that the level design is a little bit schizophrenic. You mentioned that uh, some levels are really long and others are really short. Like Some feel yeah. almost like bonus rooms. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I think there's some, some more clever ideas. Too long. I wish they were a yeah. little more consistent, actually. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have some issues with checkpoints and <laughs> lives. And it's, it's weird. It's a lot of trivial details that I feel like if they could just fix a few minor things, that that game would be would go from being good to great. Johnny, they haven't been able to fix that in like 10 years. More, I probably. I mean... I've played more of the Sonic video games than you, and even though it's been like seven years since I played the last one, I guess I'm a little more tolerant of that crap. But uh, yeah, I don't understand why they have the gates for the checkpoints when you can run over them in a couple places. That's that's pretty broken. It uses the same checkpoint system as Super Mario World. <laughs> Except it's in 3D in some cases. It's in 3D and your character moves ten times faster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but overall, it's a good game. I think it's a lot of fun. There are certainly some spots where you like, how the hell do I do this? And, and you die, and you're not quite sure why. But once again, it's far subdued over prior Sonic 3D games I've played. And maybe it's because it's oh, yeah. 2D. But There's so much less of like accidentally jumping off into the void. Yes. Which was just a perennial issue for Sonic once he got into 3D. Or running off, but you're supposed to be able, supposed to stop you, but sometimes it doesn't. In a 3D game, it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. terrible. In Sonic Heroes, it was the uh, the combos. The, you had all these characters with punches and stuff, and the combos would just send you careening right off the platforms yeah. every well, time. I was afraid to fight enemies because every time I did, I would fall into a pit. Yeah. Well, in, in the I, I feel like Sonic Heroes and Sonic colors are the antithesis of each other within the Sonic spectrum because what really 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 pissed me off about Heroes is that unlike the prior Sonic Adventure games you were forced to switch between gameplay styles in every level constantly yeah. and at least like Sonic 2 and it's not okay in Sonic Adventure 1 you played through Sonic completely and you had probably the best sequence and you weren't interrupted too much by the other crap yes there was the adventure stages which were horrible <laughs> But in Sonic 2, Sonic Adventure 2, they got rid of that and they still had this concept of you play as Sonic through all this and then you play through Tails all this. They had their own levels still. They had their own level, which which is the sticking point in Sonic Heroes that really pissed me off. There was no level in Sonic Heroes that was actually fun. Most levels had parts that were fun and a lot of parts that were shit, including the boss battles, which were terrible in Sonic Heroes. I mean, they were lazy, they were confusing. It's like some, they lasted forever. Some of them were were glorified I them kill out rooms. From my 
Yeah, they, no they, really bad. In, in Sonic Colors, you're playing a Sonic, and you're just playing a Sonic. Now, I, I, maybe I wish they would also have Tails because I like Tails, but the point is they're all platforming levels, and for the most part, they're all fun. And Sonic is the best he's ever been. I mean, he just yeah. he controls better. He can do more. His they got rid of abilities that don't make sense, like the spin dash, which is really just frustrating more than anything. Yeah. So the spin dash is completely gone. When you have your spike power up, you can do a spin dash, but it's more like a token gesture. Yeah. That's way later in the game. Yeah. It's. I, I think it's a good package. Uh, whether, are they going to be able to clean it up and, and do more of that? I doubt it. They. I feel like the the Sonic developers kind of have ADHD and they're like, oh, we gotta do something different. Oh, what's over here? What's over here? They don't actually <laughs> fix the problem. They just go off and batch it in the same directions. <laughs> yeah. And The uh, weird thing is that Sonic Colors is the first time you can see them really blatantly imitating Mario. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. I mean, of course, originally they were trying to get away from that as much as possible. And um, Sonic Colors is a very, very obvious imitation of Mario Galaxy, and what do you know, it makes the game a lot better. Or, I mean, certainly it makes it a lot easier for Mario fans to get into. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah. And I hope they keep doing that. You know, I mean, Nintendo's not going to make a Mario game every year. So, mm-hmm. if Sega can get a little bit closer to the level of success of Mario Galaxy, which is very high, of course, but uh, if they if they will stick to this track and make Sonic Colors 2 and Sonic Colors 3, even if they do it every year, I feel like if they stick to that formula and really refine it and get used to it and learn to master it, uh, that series will be really legit. Really legit. So, we'll see. If, if you liked Sonic uh, Colors, I'd say check out the DS game. I haven't checked it out yet, but I really want to. I've, and, every time I've played demos of it, I thought it was really good. Yeah. And and once again, that the, the DS game is made by Dimps, and they also made the Sonic Rush games and Sonic Advance games. And I think the Sonic Advance games are really good and share a lot of the sort of things that I think uh, keep Sonic Colors from, from getting all shitified. So if you're looking for good 2D Sonic games, I, I'd say the Sonic Ad- Advance series is pretty good, too. If like this is your first Sonic game and you played Sonic Colors and you liked it, I'd say steer clear of anything else in the 3D realm for Sonic or else it'll just leave a bad taste in your mouth. Anyway, whoever requested that, if anyone did, uh, thank you. <laughs> we got one last game here. Uh, and uh, My pick. It was Johnny's pick.
I feel like I'm getting nauseous after running too fast after playing Sonic. <laughs> you don't like vibrato? <laughs> that, this, that song felt like, you know, you're sort of stumbling a little bit yeah, off balance yeah. and a little bit dizzy. <laughs> it fits the mood of the game, I would say. Oh, yes, it does. That one reminds me uh, a bit of Blaster Master, actually. Really? Yeah. There are hmm. parts of it that, that remind me of Blaster Master. All right, Johnny, do this the honors of reading the question. Sure. Well, I just gave you sort of a clue, but uh, what item upgrade lets you climb walls? Don't say spider ball. Don't say spider ball. Spider ball? <laughs> it's not the spider <laughs> ball. <laughs> played this game that last song probably stuck with you although mm-hmm. um, you hear it a lot <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you keep dying <laughs> although it might sound a little different than you remember yeah we, we cheated a little on this one um, uh, not really well it's not slowed down to 50 hertz like you might find on virtual console which yeah. uh so this is so, the original this is the original. It's how the, it's supposed to sound. Yeah, in Europe, uh, everything apparently sounds flatter and out of tune. <laughs> yeah, we've given you so many clues. So 
And especially that last song really does sound kind of like a mixture of Blaster Master and Metroid. And knowing that you can get an upgrade that lets you climb walls... That isn't the spider ball. That this is, that's not the spider ball, but <laughs> even you saying spider ball gives yet another clue that this is a Metroid-like game. So, and, and because I mentioned Blaster Master, you might have guessed this is a Sunsoft game. So, yes, all the clues point to Euphoria, the saga. <laughs> what um, a weird al- subtitle. Also known as Hebereki in uh, Japan. And, uh, yeah, Euphoria, it came out on Virtual Console last year. It's it's an import title, sort of. It, it, well, for Americans, it is an import title. It is. It was imported from Europe. That's right. The version on Virtual Console is imported from Europe. It's too bad because there's not that much text in the game, and I really wish somebody had taken the effort to import the to bring over the Japanese version and just replace it with the European text yeah. because the European version has some emulation problems that go back to the PAL conversion when it was originally released in Europe. The music is uh, is sort of sped up. Um, no, it's slowed and, down. It's fast. Oh, slowed down. It's slowed Sorry. down, and because it's slower, it's like everything's kind of made a little flat, but it's I think it's like sort of uneven in the spectrum, so like the bass sounds more flat, so things just are out of tune with itself. <laughs> and so it just sounds wrong, but in a weird way... It kind it, of works for the game. Exactly. It still fits the game because the game is so trippy and like yeah, <laughs> Euphoria is hilarious. I mean, it is one of the few games that I think is actually intentionally, especially from the 8-bit area era, uh, I think it's actually intentionally funny. The, the, the way the characters are designed, the way they animate is so hilarious. Uh, it's so goofy. It's so silly. All the characters look like they're totally stoned, and <laughs> the game is just so weird. It's so weird, yeah. but it's really fun, too. Uh, and the funny thing is they even apparently changed all of the characters' designs for Western Market, too. And they That's still look true. weird. That's true. It's really weird. I mean, they, it's like they changed it, but they still kept it bizarre. Yeah. yeah. They just made one of them like a dinosaur to make it, whatever, appeal more to Western people than a cat <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have dinosaurs in Japan. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a good example is near the very beginning, you have to climb up a rope. And when you go to the upper screen after climbing the rope, you realize it's some weird block drooling, and the drool, the spittle is like made a long little drip that you've been climbing up. Yeah, the rope is, you find out the rope is actually um, basically a giant tower of snot. That's or drool, as you say. That's uh, that's coming out of something above. I mean, and the God, the way the characters animate is unbelievable. It's like they like like squeal in a weird, bizarre way when they. None of the characters really (laughs) walk or run. They just sort of shimmy all over the place. (laughs) Um, And the uh, the answer to the trivia question, you you the upgrade that you get to climb walls is a suction cup. And the animation of that character climbing walls is outrageously funny, I think. So, yeah, Euphoria, and, you know, the, the, the best part is Euphoria is really well designed and really fun. And uh, the graphics, actually, in general, are extremely impressive for, a, for an NES game. So, um, I, I think there's a lot to recommend about it. It's totally crazy, but, um, you know, as import titles go, it's one of the more... Uh, accessible ones because it is in English at least. Sort of. The English is kind of broken. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, it's. But it's also 
you don't you don't really need to understand the text very much to play the game. I think you can play this game in Japanese. Yeah. Just just a tip, you have to push down to actually jump and hurt someone. I I really didn't That's realize right. that until actually yeah, it's, in. I, I found it kind of just by out of desperate experimentation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you basically, uh, but it's kind of like stomp. you butt stomp people. Yeah. Um, if you just jump and land on them Mario style, you'll get hurt. Yeah. But you can't jump on enemies, you just have to hold down on the control pad as you do. And, um, and other than that, the game's fairly easy to understand. Did you beat the game? I got pretty far, but at it, some yeah. point, I, I think that I had to collect some keys or something, and that partway through that, I'm like, I, I just lost interest. Yeah, the keys are scattered all over the place. Yeah. There is, some of them are in um, sort of hidden areas that yeah. you warp to. That are really um, hard to get to. I mean, they're pretty hard to get to. The, the, the interesting thing about the game is that when you first start playing it, it seems like, and you, whenever you die, it takes you back to the central location that seems very inconvenient. But actually, once you get, once you unlock all four characters and you start getting powers for them, you find out that that place that it respawns you at is actually very, very convenient if you have all those powers. Um, because you have characters that can uh, swim through ch water channels that connect a lot of different areas, and, and once you can climb the walls, you can basically just go left from that starting point and get to a whole different section of the world. So, it, it's a, I think it's a great game. I think I think it's worth checking out. It's like six bucks probably on yeah. Virtual Console. Yeah, it's great. I agree. That's Euphoria. It's spelled it's spelled U F O U R I A for some reason. Oh, that's so, right. It's four. O U R. Yeah, the number. It's yeah, the number four, because there are four characters you switch between. Ugh, terrible. <laughs> the saga. The saga. <laughs> it's not, not much of a saga. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the show. Uh, if you enjoyed it, you can check us out live at PAX East. Hopefully you'll be there, and, and we'll say hi, Yeah. because we will be there. And by the way, um, of course, you can hear me every week on Radio Free Nintendo, and uh, if you like the whole music podcast thing, I have a side project called Discover Music Project, and it's over at crosstalk.com, or you can we actually have our own... Um, iTunes feed now. So if you go, if you if you use iTunes, you can go on there and just search for Discover Music Project, and you you'll find a listing that's only that show. And um, it's really a very similar format to Radio Trivia, except we're not guessing, um, but we're it's usually me and a friend, and we play music for each other, and it's music that the other is probably not very familiar with. So it's kind of a guided tour through a body of work from some band or position and uh, it's really fun and, and it's basically the same format as this it's like we talk a little bit then we play some music and we talk about the music a little bit and then we play some more music so um, I, I want Radio Trivia fans to go check it out it's really cool we gotta get you on there Mike what's your favorite game music composer who is your favorite oh I don't know I, I would say uh, Sakuraba except all this stuff sounds so similar that it's hard for me to to say he's the best one. <laughs> um, Shima Moore is pretty good. Okay. that See, I mean, that, that would be an interesting show to have you pick out a composer who's done work on a lot of different video games so we get some variety there. Yeah. And then I could do Mozart or something like that. I do want to get some classical on there very soon. I've got a couple, a couple uh, 
ideas for that, but uh, we haven't gotten around to it yet. We'll edit this all out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for co-hosting, Johnny. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I will see you in Boston. Bye, everyone. Runner is copyright 2010 Gaijin Games. Kirby's Tilt and Tumble is copyright 2000 Nintendo Hal Laboratory. Art Style Picto Bits is copyright 2009 Nintendo. Sonic Colors is copyright 2010 Sega. Euphoria the Saga is copyright 1991 Sunsoft.